are Locked On Big Ten, your daily podcast on the Big Ten Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Locked On Big Ten Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Ben Stevens. It is Tuesday, November 3rd, and on today's episode, as we will throughout the entire Big Ten football season, on Tuesdays, we're going to go around the conference and get a status check with some of the programs that have been making headlines or putting out some surprising products on the field throughout these first couple of weeks of Big Ten football. And I think the biggest surprise has been the Minnesota Golden Gophers. So who better to talk to than the new host of Locked On Golden Gophers? It is Nate Dickinson. He just put out his premiere episode yesterday on Monday. Go over as soon as we are done here and listen to Locked On Golden Gophers. Nate, keeping you updated on everything you need to know about Minnesota football, which right now is not very good, Nate. But first and foremost, it's great to have you on the podcast once again. Yeah, thanks, Ben. Thanks for the shout out again. Yeah, go and listen into the podcast yesterday. We went over pretty much everything in that Maryland loss on Friday, went into the offensive defensive side, really talked kind of big picture what it means for the expectations. So if you want to relive that dumpster fire of a game, go ahead and uh, go join us over at the Locked On Golden Gophers podcast. I'm sure in your debut episode, you talked about that Minnesota defense. So we need to talk about it here on the Locked On Big Ten show as well. In week number two against Maryland, Minnesota allowed 675 yards of total offense, 281 of those on the ground. In week number one in the battle of the Little Brown Jug against Michigan, 481 yards of total offense, 256 rushing yards for the Wolverines, the Gophers defense getting gashed. Nate, what the heck is going on with that defense up in Minneapolis? I don't think anyone knows still. I mean, after this happened against Michigan, there was kind of talk of, well, that wasn't good, but it was against Michigan. It was against a top-tier Big Ten team. And I talked to Mike Grimm about it after the game. Michigan's a team where even when they have their backups coming in, those backups were five-star recruits. Minnesota's not doing that quite yet. But when it happens again against Maryland, I described the difference between the games last week as basically in Michigan, you were trying to be like, all right, let's see what we can do. Against Maryland, you're thinking more, all right, we better be able to do it right now. And Michigan, Minnesota wasn't able to do it. And it just really, really is now really concerning that that defense looks so bad. The good news is the offense seemed to do okay. They scored 38 points in three quarters. It's just really concerning when 44 points isn't enough to beat Maryland. Right. I mean, and that offense was going to be their calling card this year. A lot of people's high expectations about this Minnesota Golden Gophers team that won 11 games last year in 2019, their best record, their most wins since 1904, was the fact that this offense was returning its key pieces. Tanner Morgan back under center. Rashad Bateman had opted back in. Chris Hoffman-Bell was going to be his counterpart on the other side and be terrific. The offensive line we thought would be returning everybody, but there was a little bit maybe of not so much transparency out of our good friend P.J. Fleck about that. And Muhammad Ibrahim who has come out and looked stunning in the first two weeks, 200 plus yards against Maryland, four touchdowns, 41 carries. We thought that would be the key. How much more can this offense do though, Nate, to keep the Gophers and hopefully get them some wins? I asked Mike Grimm the same thing when I talked to him earlier today. I said, can this offense carry this team to a win or two if this defense is going to keep being this bad? And he basically said, no, that's not going to happen. Now, he also said that he, he doesn't think that this is a team that's going to give up 45 points every single week out there. That's not the way that college football really works all the time. So hopefully this team is going to be in some more games and being able to win some of these things. But 
as things stand, it's really, really concerning, as I said, to give up 45 points to a team that scored three against Northwestern the week before. This is a squad that's supposed to be at the bottom of the barrel in the Big Ten. And I mean, I saw your Big Ten rankings after week two. You got Minnesota right down there with them. And honestly, rightfully so with the way they played. Yeah, I have Minnesota right now at 13. The team Minnesota plays this upcoming week on Saturday is 14 in Illinois. So, Nate, do you think in your mind that's a good starting point to hopefully get the Gophers back on track with a win over the Illini this weekend? I mean, yeah, but I was gonna—I was saying the same thing last week. I mean, this was supposed to be a two-game stretch where Minnesota comes out of it 2-1, and one, really ready to get into the Big Ten West side of things on a bit of a roll here after dropping one early to Michigan. So, I, do I expect the Gophers to win? Yes. I think they should have beaten Maryland. I mean, they were up 17 in the fourth quarter. There's a lot of things that went wrong there at the end, but I don't know what to expect anymore with this team. I'm more concerned on making sure that what we talked about, that defense is able to at least slow a team down. Even if Minnesota wins, if they're giving up a whole lot of points, I'm not feeling all that much better about things going into week four. And let's dive into that defense a little bit more, because I think you made a very astute point when you were answering that first question about what the heck is going on with that Golden Gophers defense. You mentioned the talent level that Michigan has, and Mike Grimm saying even their backups are five-star, four-star talent. Minnesota is not there yet, and even based on last year with all the improvements and what was going to be a better 2020 season, when you lose so much, especially defensively, because Minnesota was replacing seven starters for last year, their guys coming in and filling in are not the same five-star, four-star our talent that allows teams like Ohio State and Michigan and Penn State and even Wisconsin on the Western side to just restock each and every year. Minnesota hasn't sustained that level of success in the recruiting rankings for that to be the case. Is that really the issue, the loss of production last year with guys like Antoine Winfield Jr. heading to the NFL and now not knowing exactly who those replacements will be for this year's defense? Well, I think Minnesota, at least on the inside, from everyone I've heard from they are really confident about these guys that they have coming in. While maybe they're not the highest ranked uh, players in the classes, PJ Fleck has been able to put together top 30 classes when he's been here at Minnesota. And those guys are getting into the point now where they're filling in in starting spots. PJ Fleck's in his fourth year now. So all these guys who are now getting into the replacing and the starting positions, they're his guys. They're guys that he recruited. So these guys in here, he believes in, but to your point, it, it takes a while to be able to get to a point where you are recruiting those guys year in and year out. It's another point I made last week. If you try and think about what teams have really been able to break into that top tier in the last like 15, 20 years, the only team I really could come up with was Clemson and they won in 2016, their national championship. They were having 10 win seasons all the way back to 2011. So it's not like everything just goes well all the time for you. It's a long road. And I think Minnesota's starting to experience some of the bumps in it just because they have an inexperienced team. But P.J. Fleck believes that it is a talented enough team to compete with those four or five star recruits that are all around the Big Ten. And there was some turnover this offseason for the Gophers on the offensive side of the ball. Kirk Sharaka, the OC, now in Happy Valley with Penn State. But Joe Rossi, the defensive coordinator from last year's team, and he really took over with the final four games in 2018, Last year in 2019, Minnesota, 10th in the country in total defense, 23rd against the run. We saw some promise out of them this past season, but now in 2020, it's looked completely opposite. What is the one thing in your mind that Minnesota needs to do defensively, like prioritize it to make sure they can at least shore something up so that 38 points during regulation is enough to get a victory? It's got to be that running game. I don't know if it's the defensive ends just setting the edge or what's going on with getting pressure into that backfield, but 
right now, Minnesota just looks slow when it comes to upfront and whenever anyone is able to break free into that second level, it's, you saw it on Friday night. I mean, you've watched this team for two weeks. They've had two games in prime time. Nothing looked any better in that second game from what we saw in the first game against Michigan. It didn't look like there was any improvement at all. I need to see something at least being done a little bit better, especially in that game on the ground, because they've been destroyed two weeks in a row by everyone, not just one guy on a team or anything. It's three, four guys each of these weeks that have been able to do it no matter what. It makes you feel like it's a consistent thing with Minnesota's defense and not just a standout player they're going against. So things not looking very good to start this Big Ten football season for Minnesota. It's probably been very hectic up there in the Twin Cities. I'm sure P.J. Fleck has been running all over the place trying to figure out what is going on with his football program. So you know what he needs to probably do? Just chill out. Relax a little bit. Hit that reset button. And like P.J. Fleck, like what I do when I need to hit that reset button, I turn to Coors Light. Because there's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Minnesota's performance on Friday night was not good, but even if you were a Minnesota Golden Gophers fan, if you were sitting down on your couch watching that game on Friday night and you had a few Coors Lights with you, it would have been a much more enjoyable experience. I know that's what I was doing on Friday night, taking in a Big Ten football game on a Friday and enjoying some Coors Light along with it because Coors Light is the official beer of watching any team, especially Minnesota, just to drink beer because right now you need to drink some beer while you're watching the Golden Gophers try to put out a defensive performance. But whatever Big Ten team you support, Coors Light is that beer that is made for you because it's the only beer out there that is literally made to chill. Being made to chill is literally in Coors Light's DNA. It's cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. The Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado uses the streams from the Colorado Rockies and puts it right into their beer so it is made to chill. It's the one I choose when I need to unwind. And what makes it so much easier to unwind and kick back and put your feet up is the fact you don't need to leave your apartment or your house or anywhere to get Coors Light delivered directly to you. Just go to get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light in its new look delivered straight to your door. Again, that's get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light in its new look delivered straight to your door. Make your preparations now. Get ready for Saturday. Seven games this Big Ten Saturday. No Friday night flight this time. So make sure you go to get.coorslight.com to get Coors Light delivered in its new look right to your door. We are going to celebrate responsibly as we get ready for week three of Big Ten football. We are going to enjoy ourselves and we are going to watch Big Ten football with a beer that is literally made to chill and that's Coors Light. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. And PJ Fleck is a guy that speaks in platitudes and he's still rowing the boat, although the boat seems to have some leakage right now. He's going to say the right things. But what is the level of concern do you think surrounding the program from Gophers fans that you have talked to? Because, Nate, last time you were on here, you were talking about how bad the Vikings have been to start out the year on the NFL level. So people were excited about getting college football back and the Minnesota Golden Gophers trying to take that next step in 2020. What's the vibe like around the fan base right now in Minneapolis? I think long-term, there's still a lot of hope. I don't think people are bailing out on P.J. Fleck in any sort of way just yet. He, he's admitted that this is unacceptable, what happened against Maryland on Friday, he said in the post game. So 
he wants this team to be able to be better. And he's saying that it's going to get better over time. And I think the fans right now still believe him. As far as what this season looks like, I mean, like we said two weeks ago, we were talking about this team having aspirations of making it to Indianapolis. And going into this week here, I've been seeing things where people are talking about an 0-8 season now after losing to Maryland. So it's a big, big drop-off as far as what people are thinking about short-term, like right now in this season. But as far as the long-term status of the program, I think people still believe in P.J. Fleck. I don't think there's any sort of uh, wavering on him yet. And I do think that people, at least for now, realize that there is a lot of new people coming into this game and playing for this team in a time where it's not really like any other to try and institute new starters. I think people's probably biggest concern about P.J. Fleck following this 2020 season was if Minnesota had another successful year, might he go to an even bigger program? And we've seen some of the struggles that Texas has had, and could they come calling? I think for right now, he's probably safe in the Twin Cities, and that's where he'll be trying to continue to develop this Minnesota program. So you say what is going forward for Minnesota. We just discussed a little bit ago, week three. They get Illinois, who is also winless so far, who has not looked great. They are having some COVID concerns, unfortunately, as well. Doesn't look like Brandon Peters will be playing this upcoming week. They're going to their backup quarterback. How much is Minnesota tuned into this game so that they can get their first win and start to get the train back on the tracks? I think P.J. Fleck has this team ready. I, I think Michigan wasn't quite the wake-up call that Maryland ends up being if you lose to them. So I, I think this team's practicing pretty hard this week. I think P.J. Flex getting them ready. As you said, he likes to talk. He likes to get teams motivated and things like that. So I think they'll be ready to go on Saturday. I wouldn't be surprised to see. I don't know what the spread is right now, but I would say if I would take Minnesota to win by double digits, if not 15, 16, 20 plus. Right. I think Minnesota needs to do that. They need to come out and put together a performance that leaves you with a little bit. Okay. That's the gopher team that we remember for last year. I know personally that PJ Fleck can fire people up because on the 2017 big 10 media days in his first media days in Chicago, I was there covering him. He was the first guy speaking at 9am on Tuesday morning when all the reporters and everybody maybe went out for a couple beers in the town in Chicago and things were a little sluggish in that conference room. PJ came out plaid jacket, red velvet tie, row the boat on his lapel, and he fired that place up. He will definitely have Minnesota ready for this week three matchup. And then you mentioned the Big Ten West stretch now. Week four, Friday night Fleck back in action as the Gophers host Iowa on Friday night. We learned that game time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern on November 13th. Regardless, Nate Dickinson keeping you locked and loaded everything you need to know on the new Locked on Golden Gophers podcast. Just put out his debut episode yesterday. He's keeping it rolling throughout this week now. Nate, thank you very much for your expert analysis about what Minnesota needs to do to maybe start rowing that boat in a little bit more, you know, fresher water, whatever it needs to be for Minnesota this year. Nate, thanks very much. Thanks for having me, Ben. Hopefully we can get you back on here and get me back on here in a few, I don't know, anytime. <laughs> yeah, talking hopefully better things right now than what the heck is yeah. going on with Minnesota's defense. That's for sure. All right. Thanks for having me, Ben. So many thanks again to Nate Dickinson for coming on the Locked On Big Ten podcast. And now to go from one surprising 0-2 team in the Big Ten West to another very surprising winless team in the Big Ten West, that being the Iowa Hawkeyes. We are now joined by our good friend, the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, Andrew Wade. How did that make you feel when I had that introduction? 0-2 to 0-2, probably better than saying Lucy Rodin's better than you, though. Man, I was literally just about to say, like, man, we couldn't get Lucy on, but clearly not. Um, 
Yeah, man, it has been it has been rough. So going out of week one, I felt like, you know, there's still a lot of hope in the season, especially with what's going on with Wisconsin. Um, it felt like the Big Ten West was a very winnable division. And then coming out of the second game, I think the frustrating part for me is that Iowa's right there. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the way they lost that game, both games, I mean, it's just ridiculous, um, unacceptable in my opinion. But it's just kind of the fact of the matter. It just sucks because that seems to happen a lot in Iowa seasons, they might go eight and four, nine and three. And you can literally point back to almost every game in that schedule and be like, wow, we are one play away from winning that. And that's every freaking year. And now we don't have three conference, but or three non-conference buffer wins to get into our own two. So it really sucks. And we're facing a Minnesota team in two weeks. We got Michigan state coming off a high. I mean, it's a tough division now and a, a tough schedule to try to get out of and even go 500 at this point. The thing that has stood out to me about Iowa and these two losses so far, two games decided by a total of five points, but normally we would see Iowa being the team that comes out victorious from these grind them out games. Has that been what is catching your eye that like, uh-oh, we're not really doing what we're used to doing here in Iowa City? Honestly, it's not even that. It's the fact that Iowa can't close out games at all. So, I mean, you talk about, I guess so a little bit. I mean, you talk about grinding it out and winning those close games. Iowa usually wins those close games because they handle it in the fourth quarter. The problem is they're getting big leads. They're letting teams back in and they can't score worth a damn in the second half. I mean, no points in the second half against Northwestern. They Mm -hmm. 17, nothing. I'm like, there is, they're winning this game. I mean, they literally just need to play good Iowa defense and they're going to win this game. 21 points against Northwestern, allowing that, that's not bad. You expect the Iowa offense to score a little bit more points, though, and that's honestly the biggest concern is the fact that they can't do anything in the second half. I don't know if it's the lack of adjustments. I mean, Iowa came out in the second half and started slinging the ball all over the field and looking like, you know, a new rendition of the spread offense that you've never seen at Iowa. Four wide receiver attacks, shotgun every single play. I mean, that's not Iowa football. Um, it's just it's interesting to see what's happening. I don't I don't understand how to fix it in the second half, man. Iowa had seven possessions in that second half, three punts, three interceptions, one turnover on downs. And that is how the game ended And two costly INTs there at the end from Spencer Petras, both off the hands of Sam Laporta, but those things were rifled and not really catchable balls. What is your biggest area of concern when you look at this Iowa team? Yeah. I mean, I think you do have to start with Spencer Petras, man. Um, I don't think a lot of people are, you know, saying he needs to, he needs to be benched and whatnot. I don't think that's the answer. Um, I just actually talked about that on the show that's dropping tomorrow as well for locked on Hawk guys. Um, but I do think it's right to be critical of what he's doing. Um, he's in his second game. I get, he's a young quarterback. He's inexperienced in a sense, but there's a lot of young quarterbacks who come in and don't have the nerves and the jitters that it appears he has. I mean, clearly he has a very strong arm, but he has no sense of when to take off and when to put on speed on that ball. Um, he also seemed to be looking at Sam Laporta a lot, uh, especially mm-hmm. in the second half. He was very, very tied onto his first target. He didn't really go through his progression or his reads. I can't tell if that was him mentally speeding it up or the fact that Northwestern was getting pressure with three freaking linemen the entire second half. So I think you start with Spencer Petras. If he throws a few more catchable balls, you look at Purdue, he overthrew two deep routes. Um, and they, I mean, Brandon Smith and Amir Smith had steps on those guys. There were multiple guys open Iowa versus Northwestern where he wasn't able to get off his first read. And then when he was, he just chucked it so freaking hard. So I think that's the first area. The line is a big concern. We bought in Koi Kronk from Indiana, a grad transfer. He gets benched in the second half because the guy can't block. Um, this is a guy who was looked at as a day two, day three pick two years ago and isn't performing even nearly as close to what we would expect with Tristan Wirfs level again. 
not comparing him to Tristan Wirfs, but you expect not to have the drop-off that you're having with Koi Kronk. Larry Jackson, another guy, not looking that good from a tackle perspective. So offensive line, um, the running game is antiquated as hell. Uh, they're doing the same kind of crap over and over again. We saw it work against Purdue, but Northwestern was getting so much pressure with three guys, and they just brought their linebackers up, forced Iowa to throw, and they were getting a lot. Of, I mean, they were blowing past our line. So, I mean, honestly, the whole offense just doesn't look very good, man. You know, right now for me, as we get into the thick of week three of Big Ten football, I feel like my energy is at an all-time high. But I know that not everybody is having that same experience as they're hosting the Locked On Big Ten podcast with a name like Big Ten Ben. So whatever wall you need to break through, for me, that's sometimes making sure I'm diving through the box scores, making sure I got my stats correct, rosters correct, all of that. For you, if it's a work meeting, if it's a lunch, if it's just maybe getting through a workout at the end of your day, whatever your wall is, you should turn to Built Go to break through it because Built Go is the perfect solution to break through your wall because Built Go makes you the best you at whatever you do. It is a healthy replacement for an energy drink because the energy is not fake with Built Go. It's lasting and it's natural. It's very easy to take. Ounce and a half package. You can put it in your briefcase, put it in your golf bag, put it in your shoe. I don't actually recommend that, but it allows you to break through whatever physical wall you need. Built Go is there for you day in and day out. It's like drinking a monster energy drink, but you don't have that crash you will have it feeling good because it's natural it's long lasting and on top of that it's energy plus protein yeah collagen protein along with energy so you know that what you're putting into your body is good for you and provides that long lasting energy to get you throughout your day to break through whatever wall it is so right now visit builtgo.com and use the promo code locked that's l-o-c-k-e-d and you'll get 20% off your next order use promo code locked for 20% off at builtgo.com let's go If you don't know what Andrew Wade has rolling on Locked on Hawkeyes each and every Monday recapping Iowa games, he has former Iowa receiver Matt Vandenberg on his podcast to go over that week's performance for the Hawkeyes. What is a former wide receiver's opinion on how Spencer Petrus has looked so far through two games? Yeah, I mean, Matt's a really good guy. He's always going to be positive about the program, and I love that about him. He's also going to be he, – he does things in a much nicer way than I think I do, especially if you listen to me on Locked on College no, you're Football. A, you're a super on, nice guy, dude. Come on. Don't talk about, about Iowa, yourself. maybe, but on dude, I piss off so many fan bases every Wednesday on Locked On College Football. I, it's like a, or we have like a tally of like 20, 20 teams I've like hated on, uh, between me and Josh. But Matt, Matt does think that Spencer Petrus just needs more time, especially that first game. He felt like a lot of that was first game jitters. He talks a lot about the wind being a huge issue. I mean, he was 20 to 30 mile an hour winds, um, on, Saturday's game, but he also talks about the fact that he does, he isn't getting through his first reads. There was a lot of pressure, and Northwestern did a great job. Iowa couldn't run the ball. Iowa basically abandoned the run, and Northwestern was dropping eight guys back. It doesn't matter who the hell you have back there at quarterback. It's tough to throw the ball against eight-man coverages, especially when you have such tight windows. Spencer Petras has to throw that ball hard. He has a strong arm, and I think that was kind of the issue there, and it's also just pressing. He thinks Spencer Petras is pressing at this point. He's thinking now that Iowa's 0-2, Maybe they can loosen up a little bit, have a little bit of fun. I mean, there's not a lot of pressure. You're very low chance of going to the Big Ten, winning the Big Ten West at this point. Now you just got to play your game and consider it kind of a broken year and let's go have some fun and, and do some things. I think the West is still very much open, but Iowa's two losses have come against the two teams now at the top of the standings. We don't know exactly what's going to happen with Wisconsin, but Northwestern and Purdue at 2-0 would have those tiebreakers over Iowa. Shall we get to that point later on in December? We talk about Spencer Petras. 53.9% completion percentage through two games. Not great. 
one touchdown, but three interceptions. Again, not great. You see the arm talent there. You see the frame. He needs to be a little bit more comfortable in this offense, but there are some concerns right there. So now as we look ahead for Iowa, like you were just alluding to, week number three, the Hawkeyes get Michigan State at home. Of course, the Spartans coming off the huge upset win over Michigan. Had you told me prior to Saturday of last week or even before the season, I would have said without a doubt, Iowa wins this game. What about this week, though, in your mind, Andrew? Yeah, I mean, I do think Iowa wins this game. I mean, Michigan State, Michigan State beat Michigan. That was awesome. Um, I think that says more about Michigan. And I do think Mel Tucker did a good job of getting his team up. But rivalry games, you kind of got to throw it out of the window a little bit. Iowa versus Iowa State is a great example. Iowa State could be a terrible team, and they're going to play Iowa close. Iowa might be a ranked Ohio State team by 40, like they did you know, a couple of years ago, and barely be an Iowa State team by three points. So um, I think rivalry games, sometimes you kind of got to take a little bit with a grain of salt because it's not always going to be the, the truest result in a sense. Um, Iowa going into this game, though, if they can establish the run, I think Iowa's defense is easily going to take care of Rocky Lombardi and that Michigan State offense. I'm not scared of anyone on that offensive team, on the offensive side of the ball. Iowa's defense. Anybody? Anybody. Not about Ricky White, who just had a phenomenal game against the Wolverines. Not about Jaden Reed, who looked so impressive in the season opener, even in a loss against Rutgers? No. Wow. You heard it here first. Andrew Wade doesn't care about Michigan State. I'm not worried about it, man. I again, I, I to be fair, I didn't watch a lot of the Michigan game, but I'm just I'm not super impressed with what Michigan State has ever done offensively. Um, I do have I'm talking to Will on Wednesday or tomorrow night actually, and we're going to talk a little bit about like what Michigan State's doing schematically that is different, and that could you know maybe change my opinion. But overall, I'm not super impressed with like the Michigan State players in the sense of they have a super big competitive advantage like a KJ Hamler would have with Penn State or a Rashad Bateman or a Rondell Moore. Thankfully, he didn't play, but David Bell still torched us. Those are the kind of guys I'm worried about, not Michigan State's players. So what is the outlook now? You mentioned it briefly. Now it seems like there's not really a shot at contending for the Big Ten West, which we thought Iowa would be in play for. We thought the same thing about Minnesota. Who knows what happens with Wisconsin? But regardless, what is the mentality now in Iowa City for this year's team as they look toward the rest of the Big Ten slate? One game at a time, win one game at a time. I think you know we talked about it, but the Big Ten West still is open. There's still a lot of question marks with every single team. The you know Northwestern and Purdue, good for them. I'm I'm really proud of you. Good for them for going two zero. That's awesome. Purdue usually struggles early on. Northwestern is a little bit inconsistent, but um, those two teams, awesome. I'm happy for them that they're two zero. Wisconsin has looked fantastic, but overall, I mean. Every team is beatable. Michigan State's beatable. Minnesota's beatable. Penn State looks beatable. Uh, Wisconsin, depending on who the hell's playing quarterback, I, if it's Graham Mertz, not beatable, but anyone else, beatable. I mean, Iowa theoretically could still go 6-2. and two. I don't think that's going to happen, but you take one game at a time. You start by playing Michigan State. You get that chip off your shoulder of losing two games in a row, and you just take it one game at a time, and who knows? Maybe you are 6-2. and two. Maybe you are looking at a Big Ten West showdown with the Big Ten East, but more than likely you're probably finishing second or third in the division, which is where we actually had them pegged out in the beginning. Right, absolutely. Listen, the first thing first for Iowa, they need one win, and it comes – possibly against Michigan State on Saturday and then Friday night Fleck as the Hawkeyes visit Minneapolis in two weeks from now on a Friday. And then hopefully, you mentioned Wisconsin, by the time week eight comes around, the Badgers are fielding a football team again. And we can play that game to end out the regular season. Yeah, man, it should should be interesting. The one thing I think we need to watch is whether or not Wisconsin can play Purdue and when Wisconsin can get back on the field. Because then you got to consider the conference standings in play. I mean, Wisconsin, the team I thought was really a team to beat. But if 
you know, who, who knows what happens if they don't get back on the field. That also could make it a little bit more interesting with Iowa. But yeah, one game at a time. Um, the season's not over. It's also a broken year. I mean, it's 2020. We don't know what the hell is going to happen. Uh, I mean, everyone has an extra year of eligibility. Um, honestly, if Iowa takes this year, goes five and three, and they rebuild, kind of get their their prospects back in place. I mean, they're they're typically a developmental program. They lost a lot of guys. You get the development in place. They could be ready next year to contend uh, again for an actual real college football title. This has been the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, Andrew Wade. Andrew, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for checking in with me because I like to check in with you and I know things have not been the greatest start to the year for the Iowa Hawkeyes. So it's always reaching out to my friends, you know? I mean, I appreciate you doing a little brother watch on me and making sure I'm doing okay. I mean, you could have got Lucy on here and seen how he, she's doing, but don't worry about know, Lucy when times, are, when times are sad, you just call Andrew in, but when times are happy, you get Lucy on to talk about things. That's cool, Ben. <laughs> Yeah, that's a pretty fair roast. That, yeah, it's pretty true. Lucy's pretty like outgoing on social media. Not that you're not, but she's like sharing her emotions all the time. So sometimes you're, I think you're a little bit more behind the curtain and I have to check in with you through these means. Sorry. I mean, it's just fair to assume that I was super pissed off on Saturday the entire right. I was it's so funny. So I was watching the game with some of my friends, and then this one couple we hang out with, they brought one of her close friends in to like watch the game with them. She went to you and I, and she likes Iowa too. She's from Iowa. And mm-hmm. she'd never, like, she's hung out with me a couple times. I've seen her a couple times, but I've never seen her with an Iowa loss. And um, I get really animated during games. Like, uh-huh. all my, like, close friends are Fair. very used to it. But I remember, like, Northwestern scored that go-ahead touchdown, and I just slam my hat down on the chair and yell the F word. And <laughs> she's like, is he okay? What's going on? So, yeah, I'm very animated in person. It's just not as animated on Twitter. I try to stay off because I – I mean, last week I called a guy a moron and I was like, this is bad. I'm going to get off this because I just, I'm not, I'm not good, man. I need to be in person. <laughs> Smart man. But that's why we have you here as a part of this great Locked On podcast network in the Big Ten community, your local team, your experts each and every day is because you have that passion. Again, Andrew Wade, the host of Locked On Hawkeyes, joining us here on the status check on the Locked On Big Ten podcast until we speak tomorrow, Wednesday, when we're looking ahead to week three, an early preview of the weekend slate. We have all seven games on Saturday this week, Andrew. That is what we'll be doing here tomorrow on the Locked On Big Ten show. But until we speak tomorrow, have a splendid Tuesday. Tuesday.